she's going to help us out just as we walk through this conversation about what it looks like to speak the truth in love. Um, and Becky does this better than anybody that I know. No, none of us do this perfectly, um, but Becky does it better than anybody that I know. You can turn it on. I meant to turn that on for you. Um, and so I wanted to start with, um, we're going to read Ephesians 4, and then we're going to talk together about what that looks like to speak the truth in love. Having hard conversations. Um, and, uh, you know, um, we have many children, as most of you know. Uh, my wife, Sonda, and I do. And, um, and, and, and so uh, at least one or two of our kids have had just gigantic heads when they were born. Anybody familiar with this? You have a child, and there's like a head that's just like, wow, this, is a, this kid has a huge head. And, like, and you, you just think about and talk about, like, how was this kid ever going to grow into that gigantic head? And so in my notes, I had put... Uh, tell big head story, introduce Becky, and I was like, man, I hope Becky doesn't think there's a correlation between those two. Becky's head is very proportional, um, but, uh, but Paul in Ephesians 4 is going to tell us that Christ is the head of the church, and he calls us as the body of Christ to grow up into him who is the head, and so we as, as individual Christians and, and we as a church as a community, we can look at Jesus and his perfection and just how, how perfect and glorious he is and how gracious and full of truth he is and say, man, uh, uh, there's such a gap between us and him. Um, and, and, and yet what it means to grow as a Christian is, is for us as the body of Christ to grow into him, the head, to, to grow in as the body, to grow up into uh, this connection with the head where he... Um, uh, where, where we're intimate with him and where, uh, where we are walking in him and where there's a, uh, a proportion between the head and the body. And so he's going to call us to grow up into Christ who is the head. And so um, most of you know Becky. She's our outreach minister here at Trinity. Becky's also the, um, uh, the, the director of the shop, the Sweetwater House of Peace. And, and um, when we talk about telling the truth today, a lot of times when we talk about truth-telling um, we only think of that in terms of like uh, correcting, but a huge part, and really the bulk of what truth telling is, 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 is reminding one another who we are in Christ, reminding one another what our identity really is, and so uh, a bulk of it is, is, is positive, um, but, um, but usually when we think about truth telling, we think about saying the hard things, and Becky's really good at saying the hard things, and and a lot of times people maybe will talk to me and, or, or Becky and say, well, you guys are just, you know, y'all, you're, just, you're just a truth teller and, uh, you know, saying hard things is just easy for you. And it's not. And, um, and, and, and I don't think either one of us feel like we get that right all the time or even most of the time. Um, uh, but, um, you know, a healthy body... Um, you know, if, if your kid has a big old head and you're wondering how's his body going to grow up into that head, a healthy body needs a steady diet, uh, a healthy diet. And if we as individual believers and we as the church are going to grow up into Christ the head, we need a healthy and a steady diet of, of love and truth, grace and truth, truth and love. Um, so, so Ephesians 4, if you're there, if not, it'll be on the screen. Verse 1, I therefore, Paul writes, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So Paul begins this section with bearing with each other, family, in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were all called in one hope, um, and, and that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led host a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And, and this is an Old Testament quote, which is a picture of Christ after his death and resurrection and his ascension. As he returns to his throne at the right hand of the Father, um, he puts all, e- all evil and all enemies under his feet and he gives gifts to every one of his followers, every one of his believers. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower region, to the earth? So, so Christ, who was uh, from all eternity equal with God, came to us, became one of us, and then he dies, uh, uh, resurrected, and ascends back to the right hand of God. And he gave, verse 11, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, or the shepherds, and teachers. One of the gifts that God has given, he's given leadership to the church. Verse 12, to equip the saints. And so we, we talk about this a lot. We, we think about church leaders, and often we think, well, that means I can put my feet up because I'm paying somebody to do the church work. I'm paying somebody to do. But, but he's given leaders to the church for what reason? Verse 12, to equip the saints. That word equip is the same word as other places translated repaired or restored. It's the idea of taking something that's broken and not usable and, and helping it become mended and healed and usable for service again. Um, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Um, so the leaders of the church are, 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 are tasked with equipping the saints. We're called to equip one another to become usable by God. Until we all attain, verse 13, the unity of the Spirit, the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's just amazing. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He says, I don't want you to be children who just believe everything you hear. I don't want you to be children just torn and tossed here and there, here and there. Rather, the alternative to that, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So he begins uh, with love, he ends with love, and in between he talks about speaking the truth in love as the alternative to just being blown around by what everybody says and everybody thinks and every opinion we hear. And the result of speaking the truth in love is that we've, we become mature. So uh, in, in our uh, culture that we're trying to develop as a staff, um, uh, how, how do we, how do you see us, Becky, uh, practicing this, this speaking the truth in love? Well, you know, the biggest thing we do when we get together in our staff meetings is we uh, pray for each other, but we um, make we bring our concerns, we bring our struggles, we bring our burdens to each other, and then we put ourselves in a position to receive uh, feedback from each other, and it's uh, extremely important. I mean, um, I told you before when I wasn't there this summer, man, that was something that I missed. We need that feedback. We need um, 
people in, that are feeding into our lives, that are correcting us, that are ad, admonishing us, building us up. Um, and so uh, I feel like we could go to anybody on this staff and mm -hmm. we could get the correction that we need and the admonishment that we need to just move forward. And Becky used that word admonishment, which that's from like Colossians 3.16, how we're rooted and grounding mm -hmm. in, in love, teaching and admonishing one another. And that word admonishing isn't something like a word we use a lot, but it's this idea of urging one another towards God's best. Yes. Or it's the idea of warning one another, hey, the path you're on doesn't lead to something good. So if, you have, if you're a parent or a grandparent and you see your kid going like to touch something hot or to put their finger in the, in the, the, the outlet, you admonish them. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. And, and you would... If you're a doctor, there's, uh, you know, Chuck talked about his doctor admonishing him. You need to exercise. You need to lose a little weight. You know, uh, you wouldn't be a very good doctor if you didn't urge people to do what was healthy and to stop doing what was unhealthy. And yet, often, um, we abdicate our role as the body of Christ and we don't admonish one another. Hey, what's God's best for you? What do you need to stop doing? What do you need to uh, start doing? So, um, so Becky is a truth teller, and she is so good at it. But Becky is also um, one of the kindest people that I know or have ever known. Um, a, a, a truth teller, uh, another word for that might be a prophet. You know, Paul talks about prophet in, in here in Ephesians 4.11. That doesn't mean somebody that predicts the future necessarily. In the New Testament, that's somebody who takes God's word and just speaks it uh, authoritatively into, into daily life, applies it to daily life. So mm -hmm. what drives you? As somebody who speaks the truth, even when it's awkward and uncomfortable, what drives you to do that, Becky? Um, the biggest thing that drives is love. Uh, love, you know, grace, a desire to transform. Um, I am, I understand what was done for me. And it included the grace and the truth. And because of that, I was transformed. And if I love God and love others the way I say I do, then I should do the same for others. So love is my biggest yeah. motivator. Yeah, love, um, remembering that, man, God's done something in me. I, I, and, and I want to, man, I want to see God do great, things, great things for other people. There's nothing special about me. God did it in me. He can do it in you. And also... Um, just a desire to see God honored drives uh, someone who tells the truth. A desire to honor God. So what if somebody says, I'm a grace person, or I'm a truth, per I'm a truth person, I just tell it like it is. Or I'm a grace person, I just, I just want to just be, be sweet and cuddly to everybody. What would you say to that? Well, um, I'm going to quote John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. It wasn't grace or truth, grace, then truth, grace and truth together at the same time. Um, grace and truth are both part of the gospel. So if you're only sharing part of it, you're not sharing the entire gospel. Um, so I always say, if I tell you that Jesus died, for, Jesus died for your sins, that's truth. If I say Jesus loves you, that's grace. But if I tell you that Jesus loves you so much that he died for your sins, that's truth mm -hmm. and grace. They go together. Yeah, we put, it, we put the whole together. message together mm -hmm. with grace and truth. And you know, the thing about Jesus, I mean, who's more gracious than Jesus? It, and we're told mm -hmm. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Jesus is truth. Um, and he doesn't shrink back from sharing the truth or, or having hard conversations with anybody. And yet, who's more gracious than him? Grace and truth are, 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 are met in him. 
and, and with and the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, but we're also told in God's Word that the, spirit, the, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And so if we're Spirit-filled people, Spirit-empowered people, then God's Spirit is going to be giving us a, de- a desire and a drive for truth, and He's going to be producing love in us. John Stott said, um, truth becomes hard if it is not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it is not strengthened by truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really what we're, what we're trying to say. We can't divorce these two. They go together. And if we're going to be healthy, we need a steady diet of love and truth. And so, again, when we talk about speaking truth, we normally think about having hard conversations, confronting, correcting. And so we're going to start with that. Um, you know, um, Proverbs uh, 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the, are, the, are the kisses of an enemy. I mean, there's times in our life when we need that kind of good friend that isn't just out there talking about us behind our back, but is willing to come to us and say, Hey, I see the direction you're on right now, and it, man, this isn't good. This isn't God's best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my life, there have been people that have loved me enough and continue to be people that have loved me enough to be that kind of friend. And it never feels good in the moment um, to receive uh, correction, um, but it's, it's part of being a disciple. Mm-hmm. So let's start with that confronting or correcting part. Um, uh, uh, the... The dark, there's a, a dark side to being a truth teller. Or consi- Once you say, well, I'm a truth teller, or I, uh, there is a danger of just tr- kind of becoming someone who, well, I'll just tell it what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and one of the dangers can just be, I'm telling truth as I see it. Mm-hmm. But is it really God's truth that I'm telling? So what are some dangers you see in um, identifying or some weaknesses that kind of go along with speaking the truth? You can be really judgmental. Um, you can seem self-righteous and be easily angered. And um, we easily forget that the truth applies to me first. Yeah. You know, pulling that log out of my own eye. And, um, you know, sometimes it's hard for people. You you seem sometimes unapproachable. Like, I feel like I sometimes seem unapproachable because you're like, oh, gosh, what is she going to say? Um, so um, just feel, you can just sometimes yeah. just get really... yeah judgmental and really angry and just mm-hmm. really self-centered yeah and the people that that i, I really i'm in some of the deepest mm-hmm. relationship with that often can be the people that i i do that the most mm-hmm. with and then it can do some of the most harm there um and and you know another kind of one of those weaknesses is that people can come to expect a lecture or a preacher voice sonda banned the preacher voice from our house years ago mm-hmm. she said do not speak to me in a preacher voice, you're not preaching to me, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and so and so it can make us like it can make you seem unapproachable if the only feedback people hear is corrective. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do I know if I'm a truth teller or if I'm just a jerk? Um, <laughs> and somebody said in the first service that I'm just a jerk, so we'll take that. But but how, how do I know if I'm a truth teller or if I'm just being a jerk? What are some signs? Well, if you like. <clears throat> Telling people the truth, if you like confronting people, if that's what you wake up liking to do, you're a jerk. You know, you're not a jerk, yeah. but that is not uh, what it yeah. means to be a truth teller. You know, um, if it's if it's um, if you have a trail, this is my thing. If I have a trail of like broken hearts behind me and like messed up people behind, then I, I've been a jerk. You know, and so um, it's it's not something that you should enjoy doing. 
Um, if it's something that you're all, if you're always looking at what you can correct in somebody, then yeah, you're probably a jerk. Probably a jerk. You might be a jerk. Uh, so, yeah. and, and, and one thing is, am I speaking truth in the context of relationship? Mm -hmm. is, there, is there trust? Have I earned the right to correct? And so we're not called to just go around and just police yeah. random people. But the people that we're in community with, whether that's your life group, your coffee group, your, you know, your workout group, or, or, or your marriage, your close mm -hmm. friends, your family, there's people that you're in relationship with. And we've got to ask ourselves the question, like, have I earned the right to, to correct? Or, or, or do, I need, do I need to work on earning the right to do that? Um, am I humble? Is there humility? Do I acknowledge that, hey, I'm not perfect. I have, you know, sin has ensnared me also. If I don't acknowledge my own depravity then, and my own need for Christ, mm -hmm. then I'm just being a jerk. Do I use truth as a weapon? Do I, do I twist and, and use things just to kind of, um, uh, just to kind of get my way? And, and then am I saying it in the right way? You know, there's a lot of times that I, I might say the right thing, but I say it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And then you sacrifice, you sacrifice the impact you're trying to make when, uh, when, you just, um, when you lash out or you just blow up or you say the right thing the wrong way. And so um, where do you, as a, as a leader, um, as a Christian, when it comes in this area of telling truth, speaking truth in love, where do you experience like shame in this area? Um, sometimes if I didn't say enough or if I said too much, uh, and maybe my delivery, you know, sometimes mm. doesn't seem, sometimes it seems right, but the most shame comes from, you know, just, oh my goodness, did I say that right? Or mm. did I just ruin this people, this person's life, <laughs> you know, but, um, just, I never, ever feel like I got right. it just right. Never. Yeah. And I think that goes back to if, if you walk out of every corrective conversation with nailed it, you know, that's your, and I nailed that one, then you go back to you might be a jerk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, uh, if you're having hard, hard conversations with people, that is where the shame mm -hmm. comes in. It's, man, did I get that right? Did I say too much? And, and I, I think rarely do I or you feel like, man, I just handled that perfectly mm -hmm. because we're imperfect. We're imperfect. Well, um, and so we know these kind of circumstances. Maybe that coworker that's, or that person in your family that is saying, well, yeah, I had a couple too many last night, but, man, I'm, I'm glad I made it home somehow. Or, man, when my, that person in life group, my boss says something to me one more time, I'm just going to blah, 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 blah. Or, uh, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just ready to run around on my husband. That'll, you know, that'll teach him you know, a lesson. You know, when we hear these kind of things and in our stomach, we know, man, I need to say something to that, but it's hard, um, we're going to move into some practicals of how do you have a hard conversation. And so, Becky, what are some practicals, you, what are some things you practice as you're moving into, you know you're going to need to have a hard conversation with somebody? Um, well, the first thing I do is pray. You know, if I'm feeling, uh, if there's something in me that's feeling really compelled to share truth in a situation, the first thing I'm going to do is, is pray about it. Um, I'm not going to pray about it for, for, for long. I'm going to pray about it deeply, but not for long because sin is gross and disgusting and needs to be addressed. And so, um, but I do, I pray about it a lot and I get into God's word. Um, I want to know what his word says about this particular sin, what it's, you know, I just, I want to know what God has to say about this. So uh, I do a lot of studying. Um, 
And I, I try to seek a wise counsel. I try to, to ask somebody who's wiser and just uh, under, has a better understanding of, of things than I do. So. Yeah, and, and I think and I you're, try to do that privately. Right, without being gossipy about mm-hmm. it, you know. Um, one of the things you're great at is, uh, Becky's great at, is just reminding me or reminding whoever just how terrible sin is. And I might be just like personally like upset or angry or frustrated with a person. And Becky will take it back to, man, isn't sin terrible? And that's such a reminder to me that, man, I've gotten tangled up in sin. And whenever I am, it ain't pretty. And there is a battle. There is a battle for my heart, your heart, your family. And evil is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And sin is ugly. Sin is deceptive. And when we remind ourselves of that as we go into a conversation with a friend or spouse mm-hmm. or coworker, whoever, life group member, whoever, um, when we are remembering how ugly and how seductive and how deceiving sin is, that allows us to have empathy for that person who's tangled up in it. Because this happened to all of us. And so we're able to go into it, again, with humility. Man, I've fallen and tripped up many times. And with empathy. First um, Thessalonians 5.14 says, uh, Admonish you know, urge or warn the idle. It says, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with all. And so when we're going into a hard conversation, like, somebody might need a pat on the back. They may just need be uh, run down and just need a pat on the back, but if you go in and give them a kick in the rear, that wasn't the conversation that needed to happen. Sometimes somebody needs a kick in the rear. And if you go in and just give them a pat on the back, that wasn't... And so really seeking God for wisdom. James 1 says, if you lack wisdom, ask. And we need wisdom when we go into these kind of conversations. Do I need to admonish and urge and warn? Or do I just need to um, encourage? Or do I need to say, hey, can I babysit your kids or wash your car or do mm-hmm. something, some kind of practical help? Be Kind of seek God and be practical on what's really needed here. And then when you sit down for that conversation, don't try to do it by text message or Facebook Messenger, set up the time, schedule the time maybe that way. But hard conversations, hard conversations need to happen face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, be clear. You know, um, sometimes we go into hard conversations and we're just like shotgun, and we're like, and, and you did this, and you mm-hmm. did that, and you're always this way, and we're just like, whoa, what are you talking? What are you really wanting to communicate? What needs to stop happening? What needs to start happening? Um, ask questions. That's one way that we, it's like putting out a salt block for cattle. You know, it, uh, if you ask questions, that's just kind of seasoning your language with salt and you're, you're demonstrating empathy, curiosity. And, um, and, 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 and one question can be, is this God's best? Hey, I noticed, don't accuse. Why are you so arrogant? No, hey, I've noticed this and this. Hey, what's that about? What needs to stop happening here? What needs to start happening here? Um, what else would you add, Becky? Uh, we pray for that person. You know, we need to pray for that person, and we need to offer to be there to walk through it with them. You know, it's cool if I just correct you, and then I'm like, all right, cool. But we need to make sure that we're there to walk with that person. I always say, I'll be here. Yeah. You know, I'm going to walk with you. And checking back in with this person, you know, and... Uh, Back in giving them some time after yeah. the conversation happens, time. Right. And then, but making sure that you're, that you let them know 
I'm going to be here. Right. Yeah, so if, if, if we have this expectation, I'm going to have this hard conversation with this person, and they're going to immediately say, oh, you are so right, and they're just going to, everything's going to be fixed and resolved. Man, my son, my four-year-old, came out of the bathroom this morning, and I said, I didn't hear any sink water running. Did you wash your hands? He's like, oh, and so he goes back in and washes his hands. We've had the wash your hands after you go to the bathroom conversation at least 10,000 times, <laughs> and we're going to have that conversation 101 million more times to come. And so we can't expect that when we confront someone, that one conversation is going to fix everything. Uh, you're just getting the ball rolling, and it may take many conversations. And, and man, receiving a word of correction is hard. And it doesn't matter how mature somebody is. They may not receive it initially well. So give some space, pray, follow up. And so before we're going to be effective givers of admonishment or, cor or correction, we've got to know how to receive yeah. it, don't we? So before we close out, we want to talk about how do we receive. Is everybody okay? Yeah. I, I'm enjoying this. I hope you all are enjoying this. You, 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 don't, you, you normally just have to look at me running around up here. So it is hard for me to stay seated. I'll tell you that. Um, but how do we receive correct, correction? Um, somebody said, and it's true, it's hard to offend a humble person. I mean, you've got to really work at it to offend a humble person. But... Um, what would you say to that? How, how do we prepare our hearts to receive correction? Um, well, um, first of all, being humble, but um, just understanding our need for Jesus, our need for Christ, our need for correction. But um, I, there's certain people in my life that um, I just invite to like be in my business i want you in my business you know you ashley gretchen my husband you know there's certain people in my life that i'm like i need you to be in my life to be in my business because um i need to be corrected and i need to be lifted up and um so just putting yourself in a place of just willing even when it's hard because not everything my husband says to me do i want to hear sometimes i need to hear it but i don't want to hear it but but being willing to hear it anyways, receive it anyways. So, um, and then just being in God's word, mm -hmm. consistently being in God's word. Yeah. But um, just uh, having that invitation of letting mm -hmm. people come into your life, speak truth into your life, mm -hmm. speak life into your life. Yeah. You know, and so. Um, so that might be a question for you. I mean, are there people that you've given a green light mm -hmm. to just tell you the truth as they see it? Are the people you've invited into that? Are you plowing your heart with God's word? Uh, are you plowing your heart toward humility? Um, one thing I would say is that nobody confronts perfectly. And so here's what often happens. Maybe, maybe somebody offers a word of correction to you, whether it's pastor, friend, spouse, whatever. And maybe they don't do it 100% correctly because they're human. Human. Yeah. Um, you know, if they're a jerk, okay, well, there, there is something to work out there. Or, or, but maybe they, don't, maybe they don't do it perfectly. And then we're tempted to make the issue, hey, you didn't do that right. Rather than, okay, what was the truth that we're trying to communicate? Um, and so hear the truth in it. Like if you walk up to me after the service and say, uh, you know, nowhere in anything you said did you make any sense I'm now dumber for having listened to, to, listen to you. May God have mercy on your soul. Well, I mean, I may, that would be hard to hear, but I need to sit with that and with God's word and say, 
okay, was that good feedback? Was that accurate feedback? Um, so hear the truth in it, weigh it against God's word, thank the person, and commit to consider it. And their feedback may be incorrect. It may be wrong, but, but be thankful that there's somebody at least willing to offer that and, and, and weigh it against God's word. Um, but, but nobody's going to do this perfect. Nobody's going to get this 100% right. Uh, if you're looking for that, you're in the wrong church, you're on the wrong planet, okay? Because nobody's going to do this 100% perfectly. Um, but we want to end on the positive. Yes. The truth-telling is not just correction. In fact, correction is just like maybe the 10% tiny part, tiny of what truth-telling is. The vast mm-hmm. majority of truth-telling is reminding each other of God's best. Um, God's Word, when I read God's Word, it corrects me. And it stings, mm-hmm. but it also comforts me, and it lifts me up, and it reminds me of the truth of who God is. And so in, in Ephesians 4, Paul's talking about how we're growing up into the head. We're growing up. Instead of being tossed aside back and forth, as we speak the truth to one another in love, we grow up into maturity. And so in, in speaking the truth in love, we're reminding each other of the deepest truth. Which what, what do we mean by that? What's the deepest truth, Becky, we're reminding each other of? Um, the, we're, the deepest truth is... Who God is and who you are in Christ, who he created you to be, that he loves you, that he died for you, both of those together, like he's got a grand plan for you and that your identity is not uh, in anything but who you are in yeah. Christ. Yeah. So, and, and when you have that corrective conversation, that needs to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Man, who, who, God created you in his image. He, he wants his best for you, yeah. but just... All day, every day, those that we interact with and those that are, mm-hmm. are, 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 are close in our lives, we have this opportunity just to remind each other who we are in Christ, to remind each other that we're created in God's image. And man, uh, God smiles when he sees you do this, and, and I see Christ mm-hmm. when I see this. And man, I remember when God worked through you this way. And, I mean, just last week in our staff meeting, uh, most of us kind of had a mini meltdown in there, and, and, uh, and I was like, oh, I'm the worst pastor ever, and, 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 and Becky and Ashley and Gretchen and Callum were just, uh, you know, offered some corrective feedback, but then, you know, um, I just remember Becky just reminding, man, this is what God's Word says, this is, you've been called to this, um, I've seen this, you've encouraged me this way, and, 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 and speaking truth in that way to one another, if, if the majority of our truth is that affirming, and we, we're just saying, I am who he says I am. We have these opportunities every day to say, this is who God says you are. And if that's the majority of our truth-telling, then that's going to make it a lot more receivable when we do have to have those difficult words. Um, and so one of the marks of maturity is that we're, and this whole passage is about growing up into maturity, is that we're rooted in Christ, Another mark is that we're able to receive mm-hmm. hard words. And another one is that we're able to offer truth to one another. And so as we prepare to... you have anything else to add before we scatter? No, I mean, you had mentioned earlier about a book, the book, what was it called? Um, Life Together. Life Together. Um, I love the quote that he yeah. had done. Uh, nothing can be more cruel than the leniency which abandons others to their sin. Nothing can be more compassionate than the severe reprimand which calls another Christian in one's community back from the path of sin. Yeah. You know, we, 
the worst thing, the most unloving thing we can do is withhold the truth. And not just the hard truth, but the truth right. is that Jesus loved you so much that he died on the cross for you. Yeah. And it's yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, so often, and Becky said in the first server, often the most unloving thing we can do is to not speak the truth. Mm -hmm. um, so be honest. As we prepare to scatter from here, be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. How is God calling you to repentance? Um, maybe there's a hard conversation you've been putting off. Um, if you're reluctant to speak truth, even if it's just if you're reluctant to affirm people, sometimes the hardest truth to speak is, man, I see God at work in you. And, uh, it, you know, it, it can be hard to do that. If you're reluctant to speak truth, whether it's affirming or corrective, hear that word from Ephesians 4, speak the truth. Schedule that hard conversation. We'd encourage you uh, to schedule uh, that hard conversation uh, today. Send a message. Hey, can we set up a time this week to have this conversation? If you're too eager to speak the truth, then you've just kind of become a person who's just kind of lashing out all the time, and you're eager to speak truth as you see it. Hear those, <laughs> Hear those words in love. It's called to speak the truth in love. If we're going to grow up in Christ, we need a steady diet of truth and love. So as, we, as the band comes up, um, we're going we're gonna to pray to dismiss. And we're just going to give you an opportunity to respond to Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life.